You're listening to the Sunday Messages podcast brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. If you are visiting, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Jose, and I have the honor of serving as a lead pastor, and we are that. We're a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow Jesus. And so if you're checking out the church or figuring out what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm really glad that you are here. We're in the middle of a series called Limited. We are talking about how we are limited. We're limited time-wise, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We're also limited by what we can commit to. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about how we are committed, uh, we're limited by what we consume. We can't process as much information as we are taken in. Who remembers the days of Hollywood video and Blockbuster? Do you remember? Now we have unlimited streaming on a number of different websites, but we now take for granted what it was like to get in your car and drive to the Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, any other ones? I think in Wimberley we had another one, didn't we? Anybody shout out the name of what it used to be called? Movie Center something? Anyway, all of us just moved in the last, you know, uh, before uh, Blockbuster went down. Anyway, so, so we would rent out the movie, and you would just look at the cover and say, I think this will be a good one. And then you check it out, and then you go home, and then you put it in, and five minutes in, you're so disappointed. And, and, and what do you do? Do you give up? No, you persevere. And you watch the whole movie, and if you're a pessimist, you tell everybody why the movie was terrible. But if you're an optimist, you find that one golden nugget, and you try to redeem that movie. Well, it had great cinematography, or the music was just, mm. We take those for granted now because we, if, if, if college students, I'm talking to you now, you just show up on your couch and you turn on the streaming and you get to watch whatever. If it's bad the first five minutes, there's an endless amount of content out there. Let's bring Blockbuster back. Did you know, did you know that we consume 34 gigabytes of data and information every day. If you are in computer science, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for the rest of us, if you're a reader, that's like reading The Hobbit, 100,000 words or so every single day, consuming that amount of information, reading The Hobbit. If you're not a reader, if you don't know what The Hobbit is or Lord of the Rings, it's like watching 12 episodes of your favorite one-hour show. That is how much information that is. The problem is, is that we are limited by how much we actually retain. We receive a lot of information five times the amount of information that we were receiving in 1986 or so. Our information consumption has gone up, but our retaining, our ability to retain remains limited. Check out this graph. This is how much information we retain. Uh, uh, Time zero, 100%. 100%. And then day one, we're down to 50%, folks. At the end of seven, the day seven, we're in the teens. And to prove that, who can tell me what my first point of last week's sermon was? (laughs) You see? By the way, it was Jesus. So it was your one shot to just shout out the right answer at church, Jesus, and you would have gotten it right. You, You missed out on that opportunity. 
we have a hard time retaining information. And so it's super important for us to really uh, think about what we are feeding our minds. Because the truth is, is whatever we feed our minds, whatever we consume is actually forming us. And it's forming us in one or two ways. Either we are being transformed by the renewal of our mind. Either we are becoming more like God, like Jesus. Or we are being conformed to what? To the patterns of the world. Either we're becoming more like the world, like our circumstances are surrounding. I hope that many of us are working to this. And if you... Think about it for just a bit and, and, and think about where you are. And, and if you are here, my hope this morning is that you'll end up a little bit further down over here. We're looking at these four priorities that the early church really committed to. And they're found in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Uh, verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We talked about that last week. That's the gathering. And then this week, everyone was filled with, let's say this together, awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That's, this, that's our verse for today. Next week, we'll move on and see how all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who would need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people in the Lord added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So they were gathering. They were committed to gathering together, to breaking bread in homes. We do that as a church when we gather here on Sunday mornings and then when we gather in community groups. Let's put up that word, gather, that first there we go. And then the next one is uh, this morning we grow. We want to grow to become more like Jesus. And we're really going to focus in on that word awe that we just read. And then next week, they were giving to one another. So the first two really has to do with input, information, intake. And then the last two is output. We give to one another and then we go. And uh, the Lord added to their number daily. They were living on Mission, And so let's talk about this word, awe. When was the last time that you had a sense of awe? We overuse the word awesome. We say everything is awesome nowadays. Man, that's awesome. Man, that cookie was awesome. But we underestimate and underuse this beautiful word, awe, reverence. And uh, biblically, it's, it's fear. The fear of God, Proverbs teaches us, is the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. When was the last time that you felt that awe before the Lord? Maybe it's been a while, maybe this morning. You had an awe some time with Jesus. But this morning, I, I want to share a passage that truly struck me with awe this week. I shared it with a senior who's transitioning into college as a freshman. Then I shared it with our team when we had an all-day staff retreat on Tuesday. And this morning, I want to share it to us as a church family. We're going to be in the book of John, the last chapter, John chapter 21, a truly awesome story that teaches us five ingredients 
how to become more like Jesus. See, we are either becoming like the world or we're becoming more like Jesus. We're either growing or, or not growing or we're growing Godward. We're growing upward. Before we turn to John chapter 21, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your all that we, as we open up your word, would sense that the creator of the world, that our redeemer is speaking to each of us individually, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, whatever circumstance we may be facing, may we hear from you in Jesus name. Amen. So to set up the context, Jesus has uh, been crucified. Jesus has raised from the dead. And this is the third time that he appears to his Disciples. The main character of the story is Peter. And Peter went back to his vocation of being a fisherman. So he, d- he didn't know what was going on. He thought, oh, I think, I'm not sure what is happening with, with Jesus. He's going to ascend into heaven soon. And so he goes back to his job. And uh, he didn't have a good day at work. He went fishing and he caught zip. And then Jesus, disguised as a man, said, hey, throw your nets on this side of the boat and see what happens. And sure enough, they're full with fish. Peter realizes that it is Jesus. He jumps into the water. Uh, Uh, imitating that scene where Jesus walks on water towards Jesus, but there's no walk in here. He's drenched and, and he swims to Jesus. They're on the shore and they're having breakfast. And here is what happens. Verse 15 of John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The first ingredient on how to grow Godward is this. We need to love God first. Jesus is asking Peter, or having fish, just finished having breakfast, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are these? It could be more than fishing, more than your job. It could mean more than these other people. Do you love me more than you love your family and your friends? Do you love me First, And I love how he used the formal because Jesus named Peter, which means rock from Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew, when it says, upon this rock, I will build my church. And, and here he's calling him out. He's saying this is serious business. When I was growing up, I knew it was serious business. When I heard, Jose Gabriel Alvaro Estavillo, that's my full name. When people use my full name, it's because something serious is happening, right? I know I'm not the only one. I do that with my kids now. <laughs> serious business. Jesus means serious business. Business, And he's saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me first? So much out there that we are consuming. Are we prioritizing God first in our lives? Do we turn to our phones in the news cycle and social media first? Or do we open up God's word? Do we say, good morning, God, I need your help this day? What do we put first? We prioritize what we deem important. If we want to grow to become more like Jesus, let's prioritize God first thing in the morning. You are doing that this morning. You're prioritizing him on the first day of the week. That's why we have church on Sundays, loving God first. If you are beginning to walk with Jesus, we put a resource guide on that website that Taylor was talking about, ccc.guide. I encourage you to 
check it out. Uh, there's Bible plans. There's conversation podcast links. We have a conversation podcast that we record in a room back over here that just dives deeper into the message every single week. There's other resources down there, how to uh, interpret God's word. Check that out. And the other best thing that helps us grow in our faith is uh, prioritizing coming to church or doing that. Prioritize going to Crosstalk and prioritize going to J-High on Wednesdays if we're in junior high. Prioritizing going to community group. That is what builds us up to become more uh, who God is making us to be. And, and I'll never forget when my life really made that shift my freshman year at Texas State University when I started putting God first. I started prioritizing coming to church and going to community group. We were praying with a couple of guys three times every morning. And as I walked the campus, I remember thinking, wow, I am thinking differently. Something is shifting. I read this verse in 2 Corinthians 4, and it defined what I was going through. Paul writes, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, though we're getting older, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We put God first. We love God first when we fix our eyes on him. Now, the more that we do that, we recognize that it's not us loving we didn't first love God, but he first loved us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the beauty of the great commandment when Jesus says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, in all your strength. Because when we turn to him, we realize that he's been there all along. We put God first. We love him first. And, and then the second uh, ingredient in verse 15, Peter says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. When we love God first, we realize we, how much God loves us. And then that compels us to live out our divine assignment, our God-given purpose in each season. Those are little assignments and they're big assignments. The little assignments is opening up the door to the person that is behind you and you let them go in first. It's paying for that person's coffee and you bless somebody. Maybe it's loving those that don't want you to succeed, loving your enemies. We, uh, uh, those are smaller divine assignments, but we have bigger Assignments. Peter's assignment was about to come into play. He was the first leader of the church. And so he was preparing him to lead the church that we just read in Acts 2, 42 through 47. That was Peter's assignment. The truth is, is that we all have an assignment. Ephesians 4 talks about it. It says this, that we... Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. There we go. Each part doing its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing in full 
of love. When we know our assignment, we actually build this church family that is healthy and growing and full of love. It's fun to watch God grow this church. It's by his strength and for his glory. And it means not just me coming up doing my assignment, but each of us, whether we're in sixth grade or whether we're seniors, we each play a special part to uh, play. And I encourage you to consider serving here on Sunday morning, one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month on the live team, one Sunday a month in children's ministry, one Sunday a month on the worship ministry. If you have the gift of music, one Sunday a month as an usher or as a greeter or in hospitality, as each part does its own special work here specifically on Sunday morning, we get to grow this church and more importantly, we live out our assignments in our schools, in our workplaces, as we live on mission. Maybe your assignment is that colleague that is difficult to get uh, along with, or that boss that you are annoyed by. Those may be our assignments. And uh, I love this next ingredient because it speaks to uh, the mistakes that we sometimes Make This third time, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Another translation says he was grieved because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you, Jesus said again. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Why was Peter grieved? Well, I did a lot of research on this, and it's pretty uh, consistent that Jesus was redeeming. He was telling him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Because he was redeeming Peter's denial. Jesus was denied by Peter just a couple of chapters before three times. We are a group of what? Imperfect people. We make mistakes and sometimes those very mistakes impede our Growth in order to continue to grow up to become more like Jesus. We need to learn from failure. Master Yoda said, the greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> I remember sophomore in high school, asked to play the graduation song uh, for the seniors and uh, practiced. I'd memorized it, but I still brought my sheet music just in case I messed up. And so I put up my sheet music and I started, dun, 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 dun. it was perfect. I was nailing it. I was in the zone. And uh, then a gust from the pit of hell just came through the auditorium and it blew my sheet music over my hands and I froze, played a wrong note, and, and I couldn't play again. It was the most excruciating 10 minutes in silence of my life as the rest of the senior class proceeded to sit down in quiet. I was asked by some of my buddies in that senior class, like, just play again. Just, I couldn't. I froze. Failure does that to us. We freeze. We, 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 we identify with that failure, and we think that it marks who we are. Another one, uh, junior now in high school, I lost my starting position because I didn't go to practice. Hey, go to practice, otherwise coach is going to... You know, and so I lost my starting position, playoffs, I got a chance to redeem myself, and I saw, I was playing safety, and I saw the receiver go tight end, he was going to catch the ball, and I committed to make sure that I hit him right on the nose so that he dropped that ball, and I did hit him, but the ball went way over him, and he was also two feet out of bounds, and so that yellow flag came out, 
failure. I was out the rest of that season on the bench. Sometimes we think that we are defined by our failures, but Jesus is teaching Peter and he's teaching us that we are not defined by our failures. We're defined by the work of Jesus on the cross. We are defined by his victory over death. That is what defines us. And so maybe this morning for you, it's letting go of that failure. Maybe that's what's impeding your growth in your faith. Micah 7.19 says this, Once again, you, God, will have compassion on us. You will trample your, your, our sins under your feet and throw them where? In front of everybody to see? Nope. In front of the depths and, and into the depths of the ocean. We can't change our failures, but we can change our today and our tomorrow. And we can hold on to the grace that is there for us in Jesus. We fail because this life is not easy. Moving forward, next ingredient, verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus is telling Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. He's speaking to his independence, speaking to how maybe easy it was to be young. And I think some of us can relate to that. High school students enjoy these days. College students enjoy these days. It's not free from trouble. But when you are old, when you get older, more responsibility is given to you. If you are with me, give me an amen. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Following Jesus is not easy. Totally worth it. But it doesn't mean a life free from pain a life free from tragedy. Maybe you grew up thinking, if I follow God, God will bless me and all will be well. That's called a prosperity gospel, and it is heresy. It is inaccurate. It does not represent the truth of the Bible. The truth in God's word is when we follow Jesus, when tragedy occurs, when trouble comes, we now have joy and peace to work through it. As followers of Jesus, we grow when we lean into the hard things. Jesus is telling Peter, it's not going to be easy. You're going to be crucified upside down. Historians tell us church history that around 64 AD, Jesus was persecuted by the Roman emperor Nero, and he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus. He wanted to be crucified upside down because he didn't deem himself worthy. And so uh, uh, he, he, he had a terrible, terrible Death, And I think sometimes, I know this is true in my life, I tend to shy away from the hard things because I don't think I can do it in my own strength. We are accurate in our discernment, but we're inaccurate in our posture when we don't lean on his understanding and strength. That's what Proverbs 3, 3 through uh, 8 teaches us. Trust in the Lord with what? Some of your heart with only one day a week. No, trust in the Lord with all all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Jesus is confronting Peter and he's giving him the truth saying, it's not going to be easy, but I will be with 
you. We should take the pressure off and lean on God. And then finally, Peter hears this hard truth and he says, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to go. Nope, it says, Peter turned and he saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the apostle John, the author of the gospel of John in parentheses. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? John is some sort of humble brag thing going on there. He's saying it was me, but he's not saying it was John. And, uh, and he says, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. What do we do when times get hard? What do we do when we face a trial? We turn, we compare, we look at what other people are going through and we say, God, it's not fair. I'm following you. God, I've done all these good things and, and I deserve all these wonderful accolades. And look at all these people. They don't got no problems. Well, you think they got no problems, but they're not being honest. We all go through trials. We all go through hardship. The point is comparisons aren't going to grow our faith. Looking ahead, looking straight ahead at the race that we have been given will grow us Godward. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from Evil. How easy it is these days to look around, to look at our phones, to consume all these other, you know, truths, lives that are being lived out there. And does that grow us? No, that distracts us. And comparison is the thief of what? Of joy. Jesus is saying to Peter, don't worry about John. Don't worry about John. By the way, John doesn't live uh, the rest of his days uh, in, in paradise. He, he lives in an island secluded from everybody else. And he just lives longer than Peter. Thanks be to God, because that's where we got the book, final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. God had a race for Peter to run. God had a race for John to run. God has a race in a lane for each of us. What happens, track stars, when we veer off our lane and we bump into some, we cross that line. We're disqualified from the race. We disqualify ourselves from what God wants us to do when we start running in other people's lane. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's look at these points. How do we grow Godward? We love God first. We live out our assignment. We learn from failure. We lean into hard things and we look straight ahead. What I love about these is that as Jesus was teaching these things to Peter, Jesus had just modeled this. He loved us first, so much so that he came to seek and to save the lost. You and I are his mission. You and I are his assignment. He was thinking of us when he was hanging on that cross. We are imperfect, but he was perfect. And he, the spotless lamb, was the perfect sacrifice to totally atone 
for our sins. Every failure, every mistake covered by the blood of Jesus so that we can lean in to hard things. Jesus knew what was up for him in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering from me. He did not want to endure the excruciating pain that he experienced, but he was willing to do that because it wasn't his fleshly desires as a human. It was God's will for Jesus to die on the cross and hanging on that cross. He looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the love of God for each of us. And I hope that as we close this morning, we can receive that from him. Maybe that means coming forward and kneeling and asking Lord, asking the Lord to forgive you of those failures. Maybe you need to confess that out loud right there where you are. Or maybe you need to come or God's asking you to come and pray with somebody, whatever it is. Let's respond to the love of God as we close this morning. If you're willing and able, please stand with me as we close in prayer. You are truly awesome, God, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the cross, for completely covering our sins. We thank you for your resurrection, for handing us the victory over death and promising us everlasting life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a personal God, that you desire to meet with each of us wherever we are. And uh, if anyone in the house has yet to say yes to Jesus, I encourage you, maybe this morning something was said, you sensed that awe, and you are ready to change your life. Again, we posture our hearts to God, and, and Scripture tells us to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he has been raised from the dead, and, and that's how we are saved. But it is not anything that we do. It's what's already been done for us. And so if that's you, I just encourage you right where you are to utter these words after me and say, Jesus, I surrender. I give my life over to you and I thank you for the price that you paid for my sins. And I thank you for the promise of everlasting life. I commit to following you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us, God, I pray that we would press in and respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.